was so fun and the coaches were crazy and made it such a fun environment. whatever junk you can get and get going. This is the Rower's Choice Podcast. This is Alex Del Sordo with another Rower's Choice Zoomcast podcast. I don't know what we call this thing yet. This is our third or fourth one to date. Uh, no, it's our fourth, actually. We've done four of these. And uh, I'm, I'm with a woman who I will call a Chicago staple. Uh, her name is Rose. She is the program director of Nutria Rowing in Chicago and has a pretty long history of rowing. So we're going to talk to her today about her time uh, at Wisconsin. I know that she's now running Chicago and then some of her work-life balance because she is not just a program director. She does something else in her career. So Rose, thank you for being a part of our podcast, uh, Zoomcast. Good. Thank you. You're welcome. Yeah. Um, so, go ahead. You want to say something? Oh yeah, I was just gonna jump right in here. Shove it well, up the deck. Let me let, let me actually. I know that I we preempted you, but let me get right to the point. So, you have been rowing. You've been around rowing a very long time. Uh, we will not reveal your age, I promise. But you have been rowing for. I mean, I I guess a long time. So walk me through when you first took your your stroke, right? The first stroke you took to today rowing or running Nutrier uh, High School rowing. Okay. Well, I was actually a walk-on at University of Wisconsin in Madison, not intending to row. I went to Chicago Public High Schools, grew up in Chicago, and um, my tennis coach said, when you get to college, try out for the tennis team. So there I, I was in the registration lines as back in those days, nothing was done online. And the um, freshman girls coach, Amy Luxinger, tapped on my shoulder and said, you know, you really should think about rowing. You're tall, you look athletic. And I said, no, 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 I'm going to play tennis. And she said, oh, no, that's just the wrist and the elbow. And, you know, <laughs> rowing is full body. And I'm like, no, 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 tried out for tennis, didn't make it. You just don't walk on at a Big Ten school. So I thought, I'm going to see what this rowing is all about. And there were probably about 132 women that were sitting on this hill uh, by the end of my freshman year, there were about 32 of us left, and by the end of the senior year, about eight of us left. So, so can I can I bring something up here? So we had um, an interview with Nate, and he kind of had a similar story where, uh, you know, he walked onto the program at that time in the early 2000s. He said there was like almost 300 or 400 people tried out. So, what year, if you don't mind saying, what year did you did you come into Wisconsin rowing? Yeah, so that was like 79. I graduated class of 1983. Wow. So that's amazing. So even that many women at that time trying out. I mean, I don't even know how many women try out today for you for Wisconsin. Yeah. But yeah, quite a few. It's a lot. Um, you know, back then I can tell you my junior year was when they came out with the model A concept to ERG. So you're going to wow. ask any questions about erg scores. All I'm going to tell you is we used to run the old gamut ergs and we put a weight in the basket and uh -huh. that would put the brakes on the flywheel and you'd see how many revolutions you'd go in five minutes. Um, kind of, uh, what kind of boats were you rowing at Wisconsin back in the early 80s? So we were rowing mostly wooden boats mm -hmm. and wooden oars. Then the Dreisiecker Concept Two oars came out. Um, I think my junior year of college, my coach said there's this there was this great boat called the Schoenbad, which was actually the predecessor to the Dorigo. And 
I remember the Eastern Sprints that year, we didn't race in it in the varsity because she didn't want anything to go wrong with new equipment. Sure enough, I think there was an Orlock breakage in it. Um, but we did row in it for the Nationals and did very well. But yeah, it was a show in Broad and everybody was using it. It was the hot boat. That's amazing. Wow. So this is the, yeah, yeah. I mean, you're, you're around, you were around one of the most exciting times in U.S. rowing history. Those early 80s was when a lot of these companies started coming out, you know, in the public. You had Concept2, you had NK being created at that time. Vespoli was getting going in the early 80s. Hudson came out. Um, so what happened when you graduated Wisconsin? What, what did you do next? So I got my master's degree in real estate from Wisconsin. They were a preeminent program, but I didn't want to jump into the workforce right away. So as I started my master's, I was coaching at University of Wisconsin in Madison. Um, and actually, one of the most successful rowers there that I coached was Cindy Rusher. And she kind of has a little play in the history of new true rowing as well. But um, always tease her that I taught her her first strokes, but mostly we just didn't scare her away and we kept it fun. But um, she was a freshman my first year of grad school. And then I also did a little rowing in Reading, England, just kind of for the fun of it, extending my graduate studies out. But um, I never intended to be a coach. Um, I did commercial real estate, acquisitions, development, and then later residential brokerage. But I was closely following the Loyola Academy program, and um, there was this new boathouse being developed in Skokie, and um, very interested in that. And that's after that is really when I got into coaching. So I'm looking at I'm trying to like do the the, the years here, right? So you're getting your master's in '84, '85, '86. You're in England at that point, '87, '88. Um, and then for for how long were you away from rowing? at that point? At what point did you well, go away from it? Yeah, so I got back from England in 85, and oh. I was still rowing over there. Um, it was the boat club out of Reading, England. Um, I also tore my ACL skiing in Europe, but that's another story. So Jeez. yeah. Um, anyway, but yeah, came back home and got into the workforce. But, um, you know, they were starting this program, watching it, and actually Cindy Rusher had a babysitter who knew some guys that had started rowing one summer at Lincoln Park Juniors in the city oh, and were interested yeah. in starting a club. And, of course, the athletic director wanted nothing to do with it. You know, they had enough on their plate. So they approached the head of activities, and he's like, you know, we have 199 clubs now. What's one more. And so that's kind of how we slipped under the radar and built it from the ground up. Holy cow. That was so almost you, 18 years ago. That was in 2002. So there really wasn't a whole lot of time between like, you know, 85, 86, where you weren't always involved in rowing, right? I mean, you've pretty much been involved this entire yeah, time. I was also involved in a club called the Chicago River Aquatic Center in Chicago, and um, there were a small handful of us that used to scull out of this old Coast Guard station every day on the Chicago River. Our motto was actually proving the river, because back then people would throw couches in it, and um, you know, you'd be rowing by odd things in the water that people would discard, and you know, some sewage items, and... Um, <laughs> 
Anyway, I also got involved with a group called Friends of the Chicago River then that was trying to get people to respect the waterway. It's kind of like Lake Michigan and open water that um, it's an unobstructed corridor for views and beauty and recreation. You're out there, get out there every day before work and row our six miles. So. Holy cow. Now, now you said earlier before we started, your daughter is in that picture behind you, right? So she wrote for New Trier. So at what point do you get tied with New Trier? And at what point does that become sort of your main focus? Well, that was in 2002. And I had heard that they were looking to start a program and they needed a coach. And that's where my friend Cindy Rusher came in and said, oh, you should check this out. And I got in touch with the gentleman who was uh, sponsoring this club. And um, we did a pilot program with about 24 boys that spring and then made a presentation to the school board that summer and got funding for a boys coach. And, you know, little by little, it just kept growing. But we had a lot of demand from the beginning. But I can say in those early years, it was come down to the boathouse, go for a run. Come down to the boathouse, go for a run. There was so much legal stuff that um, the school had to deal with. We were renting oars from Northwestern University and, you know, coaches launches. There's just a lot of legal issues to deal with. Um, but eventually we got it up and going. As a matter of fact, some of our circuits would be run a lap, sand some paint on the Loyola boat, um, prime an oar, you know, or get in the tanks. It was kind of goofy. Our press releases in those early years were Girls hanging onto the stroke, the coxswain holding down the stroke seat's feet because the feet would come out of the, you know, we weren't, we were pretty fast early on, but we, our equipment kind of hindered us a little bit. It took, we, one of the first boats we purchased from Loyola was a, um, a Pocock that was, oh my gosh, it took 16 girls to carry it down to the water. And I don't even think eight boys could carry it down by themselves. So. Yeah, we had a lot of snickers from everybody else at first, but we got fast. <laughs> I think anyone that's watching that's looking to start a program, just you just have to start. Don't worry about what equipment, just buy whatever junk you can get and get going. And as you have a little success, then you can start buying the Resolutes and the Sykes and all that good stuff. Uh, well, I appreciate right. the plug there. That's That was perfect. I love that you say you had a lot of snickers um in in that in that beginning time frame but you say you just have to start so you have been a part of a program that over the last 18 years have found a lot of success right um what about those what about the years like five through ten what kind of advice can you give those teams because okay it's one thing to get started but it's another thing to find success and, and drive and get energy behind it what what can you tell listeners advice on building a program at that point Um, be a little bit patient, but set realistic goals and just keep checking them off and you will get there. So we have to create a competitive environment. And I think we have a nice advantage of that because we're a big program and we make cuts, but people have to be held accountable to certain standards. And um, we don't like cutting kids, but it's kind of necessary for the success as well. Um, Cause we do like the kids, all of them, and they all 
are getting something out of it. But I think just they'll tell us the same thing that just by having a little bit of competition, it makes them strive a little bit more. I really, yeah, you know what? So you're, the, you're the only coach that, that has, has said that. You're the only coach that's ever said that. Um, that you got to hold kids accountable and that you might have to cut kids in order to keep that team going where you want it to be. Um, that's impactful. I, I think a lot of coaches are, are weary of that because they think that the smaller the team, um, the less likely they'll find success. But I think you've got to focus on building the right culture, right? Is that, is that, is that, is that what I'm hearing? Right. Yeah. Yeah. But when I say we cut, I mean, we still have about 142 kids on the team. That's boys, girls. It's probably about uh, four boats of varsity, four and a half boats of varsity on the boys and girls side each. And then probably about three boats on the three eighths on the novice girl side and novice boys side. So we have a lot of interest and demand. We're a big high school, too. Yeah, that's that's pretty There's big. A lot now. of other great sports. A lot of people say. Um, I want to ask, can you clarify uh, your friend Cindy Rusher? So I don't think people know who that is or what she's accomplished in rowing. Can you can you tell the audience who Cindy Rusher is and what she accomplished uh, at the Olympic level? Yeah, well, Cindy Eckert Rusher was a two-time silver medalist in 88, and, oh, she's going to kill me for not knowing the exact years, Barcelona and Seoul. And um, anyway, she won a silver, she was in a four, she was multi-time national team. She's married to Jack Rusher, who was also a bronze medalist in one of those Olympics. He coached with us as well. Um, I did eventually rope her and her husband into coaching one day a week, but um, Jack was a former Harvard rower, Cindy, Wisconsin, and um, yeah, they have kids that have rowed at Stanford and sun rowing at Yale now, although I think his freshman year was cut a little short like many people. Wow. But. Wow. So, okay. So then uh, so you have, you have had the assistance of a silver medalist, multi-silver medalist, help build Nutria program. So. I mean, is she still involved at all with the program or with you? No, she got involved probably, she, she, she got involved maybe six, seven years into the program, but she was with us for over 10 years, as many of our current staff have been. Um, I think keeping the continuity of your staff is important. It's also important to get in some of these younger kids that we're getting a little bit on the older end and we can still relate (laughs) (laughs) so all right so um in in this time of running nutria you've also had a career outside how have you balanced the demand of commercial real estate and and you know all that you do there but also running a big program of 140 plus kids yep so i started in commercial real estate i have three daughters and um got into residential when the third one was born, the youngest one was born. So the oldest daughter would actually be popping up in and out of the launch. Um, In those early years, I'd kind of drag her along. Um, Balancing residential real estate is probably a little easier than commercial to balance because you're really an independent contractor. So you can only ramp up so much with your real estate business when you're in season and you kind of have to rely on teammates within the professional realm. You know, we work on teams in real estate as well. So 
it's not easy. It's a lot of juggling. I feel like I'm working 24 seven a lot with both jobs um, because you have to respond all the time, but I like both of them. I really enjoy working with the young kids and seeing their development and their progress. I think they keep us young and current. And I also like um, the payoffs on a good real estate deal and yeah. the competitiveness and keeping your mind going with something that I was trained in. So I like them both. Well, I really like that. Rowers, rowers are just hardworking people in general. I mean, I have not met a single rower that has had success in rowing that that was not someone who just grinded it and worked worked their butts off. And that's wonderful to see that you do that even to today. Um, now, your daughter behind you, Stroke Seat. This was the first um, medal-winning program, right? A new Trier uh, at this classic. Is that right? Yep, so, so what was that was, like coaching your daughter? Well, you kind of hold her to a higher standard. And when it came time for seat racing, you let other coaches do that. And oh, that's you, know, you kind of have to let her prove herself that way. But um, that particular boat probably had about four lightweight girls, although we weren't rowing much lightweight back then. They were just smaller and they weren't the biggest and the best ergs but they had nice technique and quite honestly that was a shock when we won that so um because you just don't know i mean in the early years they called new trier new trier and at the midwest here's new trier no one knew who we were but you know what you start winning enough and then they get it and we always say it rhymes with fear but um Scholastics, they'd always mispronounce us and put us in the outside lanes. And, you know, you'd start winning some races and prove yourself, and they'd know who you are after a while. But that's, so. I mean, that's a short four and a half, five years from the time you started to the time you win a national championship. Um, I mean, that doesn't happen very often. Is that, is that because yeah. you had a lot of kids on the team? Is that because you had Cindy Rusher helping? I mean, at that point, she wasn't there yet. but. Well, we had Hope Poor, who was a former Dartmouth rower. She was also helping with the novice girls, and um, they won that year as well, Wow! which was pretty amazing. Um, yeah, just great coaches on the staff. But I think it's just fundamentals, teaching what's right, doing what's right. And, you know, rowing, I, I always tell the kids, too, it's training, and they call it training for a reason. You do the work, and it pays off. You might not be an Olympian, you might not be varsity, but you will get better. And I think even the training we're doing right now, it's really hard. You either get faster, stronger, you get weaker, or you stagnate. And you know, you have to do something. And I know even with this whole COVID thing, it's hard to keep training, but I think it's important to do something. Like we're all a little down that we can't get out on the water, but you have to do something. It doesn't have to be 100%, doesn't have to be 80%, but you have to do something or else we're just going too far backwards. So um, trying to emphasize that right now with the kids too. Just do the work. Do so the that's right thing. the, I mean, you, you, you're a natural transition here. So you're running a program of 140 kids. I know this is affecting your business, you know, your real estate business, COVID-19. There's, it's in a big way. How are you as a program director managing first your athletes and then your coaches through this, this trying time? What, cause I, when I ask that question, I'm looking for sort of nuggets that other coaches can hear you say and say, Ooh, I got to try that. You know, I should try that with my program. Yeah. 
Well, we're doing a lot of work with Zoom. Um, I know you spoke to Nate Kelplinane, I think yesterday, our head men's coach, and um, we're lucky to have someone like that on staff too that's a teacher by training. So we get a little bit more insight into how to run some of these Zoom conferences, but they're pretty easy to pick up and learn. And sometimes the meetings are just moral support and having kids talk through things. Um, once it was doing a Kahoot, which I think I came in about last place because um, it's hard to know all this goofy stuff that these kids are putting out there, whose two ears are different and, you know, who got hit by an iguana or, you know, I don't know. <laughs> so, too much inside stuff. Um, we are going, we've tried to do some screen sharing that's worked to different degrees of success. Um, watching some videos. I've also had our coxswain enrolled in more assignment um, for coxing clinics that are virtual. And yeah. I think they've been really good. Coxswains are often neglected and this is a good time to spend a little more time with them to develop their skills. That's been really good. Um, meeting with the kids probably twice a week on the Zooms. And I mean, we're going to do one day where we spend five minutes talking to everybody on the team. Um, they can be in the waiting room. We'll kick out one person and just how's it going and make oh, sure yeah. we hear from everybody. We've been doing um, Zoom conferences with our coaching staff as well, just checking in. And I've been, you know, peeking in on other coaches. Our novice coaches, those kids don't have ergs at home. Um, some do, some don't. But varsity pretty much does across the board. So they can follow workouts on Google Docs and you know, substitute workouts of different zones. But the novices are pretty much doing live workouts with their coaches. And mm -hmm. I've got on those and saw the legs flying up and down and, you know, the planks. And Now, as a, as a program director, are you focusing your energy on other things now? Like, let's say, equipment needs, regatta schedules for next year, uh, budgets. I mean, are you thinking those things now that you have the time to concentrate and slow down? Um, to be honest, I've been going through about 18 years worth of rowing files and purging a lot. Um, I've been doing a lot of that. Been, you know, we're trying to think of different systems for keeping the oar handles clean. I was talking to Mel Eckert the other day. She's our boatman. And, you know, should we be dipping the handles in bleach solution? Should we be wiping them down? the seats, the handles like we do on ergs. Um, so we're trying to come up with some system for once we get back on the water just to keep things running smoothly. So summer programming is a little bit up in the air right now. So, um, you know, thinking about all of the above. Yeah, really. Now, what are you, what are you telling, what kind of conversations are you having with your seniors who have lost their final racing season at high school? Are, are you, are they, I know you talked about moral support, but are they really down on themselves about that? Or has that even come up in conversation? Yes, we've met with the senior girls um, on a Zoom conference. Sandy Culver, my um, co-varsity coach, and she coaches the lightweight girls. We've met with them all and try, tried to listen to their feelings of sorrow and also try to instill in them that they're the leaders of the team and we want them to really step up to the plate and um, lead the kids under them. And you know what? There's also possibilities to maybe get a reunion voted head of the Charles 
down the road oh, or yeah. get together. They're all very young. It, you know, it, it's really hard right now, but we've tried to instill that. We've also done a joint Zoom with the boys and the girls, which I think was helpful. Um, so now this is purely speculative, but how do you think your girls would have done this year at the national or even Midwest level racing? Are, were you in, were you moving out to the point where you were a national contender again, or where, where, where do you think you would have been? I think we would have definitely been in the medals at Scholastics and probably would have won Midwest again. I mean, we've had a good streak going there. Um, you know, we're, we're involved in this March mania. You know, yeah. we got four teams that we're in and we only have one still standing, but you know, it's tough erging. Um, that is that that has been the a, a repeat with the coaches. I mean, we've chosen these weird distances because we want the teams that don't necessarily um, have a chance at the shorter 1500 meter or 2000 meter to, to be competitive. Um, and you're really starting to see who's training and who's not training in these in these erg races. Um, was it difficult to get your kids to be part of this erg media competition? Yeah, I think I think our boys embraced it a little bit more than the girls, to be honest. Yeah, sure. um, they at first it felt like a big stressor for them. They, you know, why were we involved in this? And it's a lot of stress. And we thought, well, this is great. It's competition and that's what we do and we compete. Um, but it, it, we were going to do it. We were going to do a zoom conference where, you know, the team got to watch the final four in our group. They're not final, but it's this next round and that just totally stressed them out. So <laughs> oh, um, I said, it's not any different than a, you know, a, a, a live feed or head of the Charles feed yeah. and the parents on the sidelines, but it is, it was stressful. So we, we talked about what is causing stress and how do you deal with that? And um, just try and, you know, get kids to not put so much pressure on themselves. Well, that's, you know, that's a really good topic that I'd like to touch on. So um, I started rowing in 1999. I only had one coach in my life that ever actually cared if I was anxious or nervous or, or anything. And you've been around rowing a long time. You know that of certain eras and decades, you just kind of hide your feelings. You don't talk about things. And then when you get into the realm of social media, it, there's stressors constantly. How have you as the director of rowing, but also the women's head coach, handled women and their anxieties? Um, during the season? I think you just try and talk it through with them and bring them down and what's ca causing the stress. I mean, we're actually a very high achieving school um, academically and these kids, they just, they put a lot, there are a lot of type A parents. They put a lot of pressure on themselves. I mean, it's all good stuff. They're a great group of kids to be coaching, but I think we want rowing to be fun and something that they enjoy doing. And I think all of them would say this is their safe place that they, they do have fun and they enjoy, you know, coming down, but um, just try and put it in perspective. So you know, life will get harder. There'll be plenty of other things down the road. So I remember listening to a convention speech by Mike Tatey, and um, he was talking about one guy in his boat that was always so stressed. And he's like, look, 
this isn't a stressor. Someday you're going to have a mortgage. Someday you're going to have a kid. Someday you're going to come home and say, I lost my job and, you know, the baby needs baby food or what, you know, how Mike Tady is. Yeah. And um, that's stress. This is fun. So you just try and put it in perspective, like, girls, this is fun what we're doing. You should enjoy it. Like, nothing's the end of the world. You know, everybody's under a lot of pressure these days. So um, you want rowing to be fun for them. And you you do better if you're, enjoying yourself no you're, you're you're exactly right now um this go this is going back to another topic that we were talking about and it's that work-life balance um there's a lot of coaches coming up in the world right now that are like 21 to 24 and they're they're figuring themselves out what what kind of advice what advice would you give someone that is let's say a freshman coach or an or a novice coach brand new to the sport that just started another job that, that has the two things going simultaneously. What kind of advice would you give them? Well, just be involved, keep your feet wet. I mean, if it's something you enjoy, um, be a part of it. And we're lucky that we have a lot of coaches that might only, co we have 13 coaches on our staff, but some are just coaching one day a week or two days a week, but they've been with us like 10 years doing that. So they add value. So I think you can add a lot of value to a program just by being involved, even if it's a little bit. Um, I probably had better flexibility because doing real estate, which is a commission job, you know, when I got involved with rowing before that, it was not commission. Um, you're kind of your own boss. So you just, you know, scale back. But I, I know a lot of people don't have that luxury with most jobs straight out of school. But um, you know, we have coaches on our staff that are young professionals and stay involved a little bit and it can develop depending on where you want to go with it. And, and as a coach, as, as the, as the decision maker of your program, you're comfortable and okay with coaches just being there one day a week. You don't think that that, um, they don't think there's struggles or issues with the kids and relationships with the coaches if they're just there one day a week. Well, ideally and you do need your core of coaches. And I would say probably our core six, they're there every day or, you know, five out of the six days that we're training. But um, if you have other coaches and they get to know the kids and they're working with them a little bit in the winter and a little bit in the summer, and it's one day a week and they have a presence, it's adding value to the program and it's letting a coach do some other things that they might not have time for otherwise. Um, so not ideal, but I think they do add value and, you know, might allow you to take out, you know, one eight and have a junior coach take out two fours one day or whatever. It just helps develop kids a little bit more if you can do it. I like that. Um, now, in all your time of coaching and rowing, have there been some standout coaches or people that you've looked to for advice in the last 20, 20 years of your career? Yeah, I think mostly we've always emphasized the U.S. rowing conventions um, and professional development and going to those um, conventions when possible. And so our athletic department's been pretty supportive of that. And our coaches, they like doing that kind of stuff. Um, I think my own personal style it's probably a combination of many but i think you know the coaches i've had at wisconsin where we worked really really hard but it was so fun and the coaches were crazy and made it such a fun environment that 
you know, a lot of winning crews out of Wisconsin, a lot of Olympians um, back in those days. Um, so, who are your coaches at Wisconsin in that in that time period? I, I didn't think so, I wrote them down. Yeah, Amy Luxinger was my freshman coach, and then yeah. Sue Ila, um, you know, the remaining years. And and I actually don't know who Sue is. Is she still around rowing? Is she involved in some level? Um, she's still in Madison, Wisconsin. She's not involved in coaching. She's a Facebook friend of mine, and she's <laughs> um, still around. I get a Christmas card from her. But, um, yeah, she's she was amazing. So another pioneer. She started out as a sculler in Long Beach um, back in the day. Um, I don't know if that's how she started out, but she was on the first crew at Wisconsin um, that won the national championship. So she oh, was wow. part of that group with Carrie Graves and Peggy McCarthy and um, Jackie Zock, all these 76 Olympians. Um, you know, there's probably four of them in that group. So now out of the out of the eight, I think you said remaining athletes that you graduated with, uh, how close are you with them? Do you still stay in touch with the girls, the women that you rode with at uh, Wisconsin? Oh yeah, a lot. Yeah. They're still yeah. some of my best friends, and we pick up just like it was yesterday. I'm sure you guys, you know oh, what yeah, I'm talking same about. Yeah, I mean, I my my best friends were the guys I rode with in high school, not college. College was a little bit different experience for me in rowing. Um, but my, my best friends, the guys that were, were to have been around my life for the last 20 years. I mean, these are guys that I, I think I will have friends forever. I mean, they'll, yeah. they'll be with me forever. This is wonderful. You know, I, I, as I take notes, I try to like, I try to bring this thing full circle and I love that you were a tennis player and Amy Luxinger said, you should just try out for rowing and new to you, but you, you were in such a pivotal time in U.S. rowing history, right? You were around when U.S. rowing started to grow and really develop, and it became an economy. It grew really quickly, and it's beautiful to see that you rowed in wooden boats and oars, and now you're running a program of 140 kids. Um, it just shows your passion and your excitement for the sport, um, and I got to thank you because that's, that's what we love, right? We want to be around coaches that, that have that love and that, that energy to keep it going. Uh, do you see yourself coaching for the next 10, 15, 20 years? Or are you finding that um, you're gonna be one to wind down anytime soon? Yeah, right now I'm plugging along, I'm still enjoying it. I'd still like to be a part of it. I could see the day where I do scale back a little bit. And, um, but you know, right now, uh, just want to see how these kids can keep going, especially after being away from it uh, with this COVID yeah. stay-at-home order. I think uh, we got to get out there and show the world what nutrition can do. <laughs> well, I think so, that you just—I think okay, you just we'll laid see. it down. You're, 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 you're calling it. You're going to say that you can. You got a fast crew. Um, Rose, this has been a, a lot of fun, um, and. There was one comment that you made that I think that we're going to call this title, um, and it's uh, "Who got hit by an iguana?" You you had you had said that earlier in the in the thing. I think we're going to have to call this "Who got hit by an iguana" because that's funny. Like this, okay. the to relate to the kids. It's wonderful. Um, I, I want to thank you, Rose, for being a part of this. I really hope that you enjoyed it, um, and for those listening in. Um, we are going to be doing this more and more with other coaches uh, who have participated 
in our March Mania bracket. Um, this is Alex Del Sordo with the Rower's Choice uh, Podcast, and thanks for listening. This is the Rower's Choice Podcast. Rower's Choice is made up of finish line shell repair, Resolute Racing Shells, and Sykes USA.